0: I like the fact that I have to fight to get you to stop. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word, and I pray that this morning you would help us to follow where you lead us, every single one of us. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Years ago in South Africa, we used to have a big sort of nationwide fair and uh, exposition. It was called the Rand Easter Show, and for around about Easter time, for about 10 days, the whole nation would come to the Johannesburg area and pour through the grounds of of this big exposition. There was a group of businessmen in Johannesburg who wanted to reach people for Christ. They formed an organization called Gospel Outreach. And they asked me for a couple of years to take over one of those stands, which cost a lot of money, so a stand about as big as this platform, and to figure out how we can present the gospel to people coming To the event. And so for two years we we did we tried different things to to get them onto onto our site so we could share the gospel with them. And every single day, for 10 days, we shared the gospel with dozens of people. It was a most amazing thing. Once we got them on there and, and, and were able to connect with them and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, it is amazing how many times we had that opportunity. One day, we had a a, a high schooler who had created this little game for me to attract people onto the place. And so he was running this this game, and a bunch of, uh, about 11 people came by. I couldn't tell if they were high schoolers or college-age students, but they came by, and they stood, and they watched what was going on for a few moments. And then they started to move on away, and I said, no, 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 you guys aren't allowed to go. You're supposed to come here. And they looked at me and laughed, and they went, what? And they looked at each other and said you're supposed to come on here and so they went okay so they came in and they sat down. turned out they they were all seniors from a high school relatively near to my house which was you know about 30 miles away so it was interesting that oh okay they were all from an Afrikaans high school which meant they spoke the other language uh, which is a Dutch derived language but anyway we sat down and we chatted for a while, and I found out that they were all from a denominational church and that they attended the church. And it turned out, as we discussed, they knew a lot about the Bible. By the way, these were all wonderful kids. Among them was the equivalent of our valedictorian. There were two of them that were the, the male and female valedictorians of the school. But they also, in the way South Africa did it, they were also like the king and queen of the prom. So I had these wonderful kids that, that were sitting there talking to me, and as we discussed things, I found out that they knew quite a lot about the Bible. But because I'd grown up in a similar denomination, i went one further step. And I asked them, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? And there was silence. I said, right, so you've been going to church all your lives. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? And there was muttering and murmuring, but there was silence. So I said, do you mind if we take a few minutes and I tell you why he died on the cross? And it was kind of like, okay. And so I walked through it, and I'm going to do it with you in just a few moments. So I walked through what we call the gospel. By the way, the word gospel comes from two words, you, from which we get euphoric, and a word that means message. The gospel is the euphoric message. Are you guys watching here? It's the euphoric message. In other words, it's not just the gospel. For example, there was a time when the Greek nation was being attacked by the, uh, oh, what's their names? Anyway, they were coming. They They were all enslaved by this nation and the nation rose up in rebellion against them and overthrew their armies and defeated their armies. And the general sent out a message to the nation, you are no longer slaves. We have defeated the enemy. And they sent out the euangelion, which we translate gospel. So do you think people went around going, oh, we got some news for you. You're no longer a slave. We've defeated the enemy. Do you think they did that? No. It was a euphoric message. We've got a message to tell you that is unbelievable. You, It's phenomenal. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is a euphoric message that God has provided a way for us to live for eternity in His kingdom through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the most incredible message you could give to every human being on earth because we're all going to die. And it is the message you can live beyond the grave. It's the euphoric message that God wants us to spread. So, I had these high schoolers there sitting with me and I explained the gospel to them. And it was the first time they'd grown up in church, it was the first time they had heard the gospel explained. And then I asked them, Would you like to put your faith in Jesus Christ? And ten of the eleven did right there. The eleventh one held out always. But then I invited them, hey, I'm near I'm near your high school. How about if we meet on Wednesday afternoons? And so for the next few months, for every Wednesday afternoon, those kids hiked all the way down to my house, and I was able to teach them and disciple them during that period of time. And that was going so wonderfully. Then one of their parents told the pastor of their church what was happening, and he shut the door. And they were never allowed to come again. Okay, so, but sometime in this process, there was a party at my uncle's cousin's house where elders from that same church were present. And in the middle of this party, one of them said to me, what do you do? I said, well, I'm starting a church. And they went like, why? We've got plenty of churches. We don't need any more churches. And I said, well, because there's lots of people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. And they were like, there are? Really? I mean, we're South Africans. We're, we're Christians. Everybody's a Christian. Naturally, if you're a South African, you're born in South Africa, you're a Christian. Does that sound familiar to another country we know? All right. So they said to me, Well, what do you do? So I explained to them, and I knew where we were going. And so I explained what I do is I, I tell people the gospel and invite them to believe in Jesus Christ. And they said, What? And I said, See, I knew. I knew their theology, I knew the background. I said, All right, so you need to understand that there may be people in your church who've been going to church all their lives who are not Christians. And they went, That's not possible. I said, Yes. So everybody, they were baptized. Therefore, they're Christians. And I said, no, they're not. Baptism does not make you a child of God. And these were elders of their church, and they're looking at me like, what? I said, no. Baptism may start the process, but that's why you have confirmation classes. And in the confirmation class, you're supposed to present the gospel to them and invite them to believe in Jesus Christ, to seal the deal with their faith with Jesus Christ. And they looked at me like, Phew. and they said, literally, never heard this. One of them turned to a distant relative of mine who is a missionary with that denomination. Turned to him and he said to him, Is this man telling the truth? And the missionary said, Of course. Being baptized and confirmed does not make you a child of God unless you put your faith, your personal faith in Jesus Christ. And they were blown away. Well, I I understood it because I'd grown up in a similar denomination where we were never told the gospel. In fact, my grandmother was in her 80s, okay? My grandmother was in her 80s, and I visited her in hospital one day. She was reading her Bible, and she she said, why can't I understand this? I said, well, sometimes it's kind of hard to understand. But I said, but Mom, we always called her Mom. By the way, my mom was called Mom, and my grandmother was called Other Mom, okay? (laughs) I said, Mom, I'm not sure you know the author of the Bible. And she went, what? I said, let me tell you. And so I explained the gospel to her. And when I finished explaining the gospel to my grandmother who went to church every single Sunday she could, she said, why did nobody ever tell me this before? And right there in her 80s, I think she was already a believer, but right there in her 80s, my grandmother accepted Christ as her Savior. You see, what South Africa was full of were what you call cultural Christians. They were Christians because that's the culture. They weren't Christians because they believe in Jesus Christ. See the difference? Cultural Christians, people grew up in a a world where we all go to church, we go to church, but nobody really understood. Why did they not explain the gospel? Because the gospel, the simple central message of the Bible, got buried under everything else that the church was doing, and the, the, the core of it disappeared. Now, here's why this is such an incredibly important thing to understand that the gospel changed the world. Let me describe the world to you in which the gospel started, okay? Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried. He came back from the dead. And the message of this incredible thing that he is offering to everyone, salvation. If you will believe in Jesus Christ, you will live for eternity. That's the gospel, okay? That message began to spread around the world. So the first time it spread on that morning around about AD 35 there were 211 believers in Jesus Christ about 200 200 people who were followers and 11 disciples on that day which is called the day of Pentecost Peter stood up and he explained the gospel the, the, the euphoric news about Jesus Christ And after he explained the euphoric news about Jesus Christ, there were 3,211 that died immediately. Now, these were people who lived in the city where Jesus had come back from the dead. And it appeared to more than 500 people. They knew the resurrection had happened. And once it was explained to them who Jesus was, why he died on the cross, and what the effect of the resurrection was for them, they believed and the church grew to 3,211 on that day and then continued to grow, continued to grow, continued to grow. And watch this. By AD it's estimated there were between seven and 10,000 Christians. By AD there were 200,000 Christians, all now spreading over the Mediterranean world. By AD 300, there were 5 to 6 million Christians. And by AD 380, there were so many people who become Christians that the emperor realized he had to make it the state religion. Okay, now watch what happened during that period of time. As these people began to spread the gospel and people became believers, the culture around them became furious. For one thing, once they believed in Jesus Christ they stopped going to the temples and worshiping the gods. Now, by the way, all over that world, there there were hundreds of gods. And every single family had several gods. There were national gods. There were international gods. There were gods of their town and gods of their family and particular individual gods. Everybody had all of these gods. Now, they didn't worship their gods saying, Oh, I love you. They worshiped their gods because they were terrified of these gods. They worship their gods because if I don't worship this god, my crop is going to fail. If I don't worship this god, the rain is not going to come. If I don't worship this god, my business is going to fail. If I don't worship this god, I'm going to get sick. And so they worship the gods in order to placate the gods, to keep them happy, in order that the gods wouldn't attack them. Are you with me there? But as the gospel began to spread, people believed in Jesus Christ as their only god. And so here's Raymond. He believes in Jesus Christ. And his family starts to worship. They're worshiping this this demon, this God, and they're worshiping their idols. And Raymond goes, I can't do that anymore. And the family go, are you crazy? You're going to get sick. You're going to die. We're going to lose our business. If you don't worship them, they're going to turn on us. There's only one God. His name is Jesus. And I'm going to worship him only. And so they got ostracized. They got persecuted. By the way, there were people, artisans, who made little idols for people, these little wooden and stone and metal idols, and sold them. And it was a major part of the economy. When people worshipped the idols, they would go to the temples and they would bring money. And they would buy the, the, the little idols. And so it was an enormous part of the economy. And we read in the book of Acts, something happened really quickly. That as more and more people become followers of Jesus Christ, they quit going to the temples. They quit taking their money there. They quit buying the little idols and stuff like that. So much so that the economy took a big dip. And so people turned on Christians. In fact, they called them atheists. (laughs) They called them atheists because they didn't believe in all these gods. And as a result, the persecution started to grow. And some of them were persecuted to the point of death. Okay. They were forced to run for their lives in many cases, scattered all over. When James writes to these people in his letter, he calls them their diaspora. They're scattered because of the persecution that's happening from their, 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 their family and from the towns they're living in. And many of them died. They gave their lives for belief in Jesus Christ. Okay, now hang on to that. Because a lot of people say, but go to the 700s and you'll find that Islam grew like crazy all over the world. Do you know how Islam grew? Islam grew at the point of a sword. You convert, I'm going to kill you. You convert, I'm going to kill you. You convert, or I'm going to kill you. All right, so people are yeah, all right, I'll believe. Okay? Christians died not because they were taking the sword, but because they were willing to say, I'm sorry, I do believe in Jesus Christ. So that's one thing that happened. Another thing that was starting to happen is that the way that women and children were treated started to change. See, in the Roman world, there was one group of people who were required to remain monogamous, faithful to their marriages. The wives. The men were not required to be monogamous. It was a normal thing that men could have mistresses, they could go to prostitutes, they could have sex with anybody they wanted to. There was total freedom there. But as the gospel began to spread and as the Word of God started to be taught... The men were taught, if you're married, you have to keep sex within your marriage only. During that period of time, women and children, boys and girls, were abused all of the time. And over those 400 years, the culture began to change. There was another thing that happened. Family had children. Women got pregnant, had a baby. The father would decide whether to keep the baby or not. And if the father decided not to keep the baby, the baby was taken to the trash dump and thrown on the dump so that wild animals could eat it or somebody might come along that can use a slave. And so somebody can come along and do this. Now, this was a normal part of the culture, okay? It wasn't that people were horrified at it. The Jews were and the Christians wouldn't, were, were against it. But you see what was happening? That babies were being thrown away and over 400 years, the culture changed they no longer were they throwing babies away because babies were inconvenient. Do you know of another world where that might be happening right now? Uh-huh. You with me there? Are you getting a picture of what this culture was like during that time? It was a very bloodthirsty culture. We've all seen gladiator movies. That stuff really happened. That stuff really did happen. There was one time when Caesar Augustus threw a party for the entire nation, and there were 10,000 men involved being killed so that the people could watch them fighting one another and slaughtering one another. 350,000 animals died during that period of time as well because they'd bring them in and slaughter them in front of people. Very bloodthirsty culture. So that's the culture into which the church was birthed. And as the church was birthed, it began to grow and grow and grow and to change the culture. Here's why. They proclaimed the gospel. The Spirit of God was at work, obviously, moving, through the people. There was persecution. And notice this. It was because of and in spite of persecution. Just like when you when you take a fire and you, and you, and you blow on a fire and the embers are spread, when they tried to stop the church with persecution, all it did was spread the church so that those little sparks went elsewhere and started fires elsewhere. And so the Roman government tried everything they could and the local governments to stop the spread of the church and instead it kept on growing. And as it kept on growing... The church changed the world around them as they were doing that. Now, in order for us to understand, well, what's this got to do with us today? We need to understand that we can change our world. We can have that impact as well. Now, the one thing that, we, that, that helps us to grab this, understand this is that this book that we call the Bible is not just a dead, inert collection of words. The Bible is living and powerful. I chose the word radioactive in order for us to kind of get a grasp of how powerful this book is. It's inert, but the minute you open it, God starts to speak to you. In fact, watch this. We're told that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom he must give an account. You open the Bible and God speaks. And as he speaks, he speaks into the core of human beings. And I chose the word radioactive because I was trying to understand how to explain it to you. There's a terribly dangerous metal called Uranus. Yes, it's Uranus, Uranium. Uranus was the with the thing <laughs> uranium a piece of uranium this big if you hold it in your hand will kill you by tomorrow it is so loaded with radioactivity and by the way this is full of uranium all rocks have some uranium in them this is actually just fool's gold Okay? So there's some uranium in here. In order for uranium to be used in uh, power plants, to be used in atomic bombs, they have to purify it. And when they purify it, and I'm going to just use this as a little symbol, they bring it down to an element that is so dangerously radio- radioactive that you really cannot touch it. It will change your life. And if the Bible is radioactive... The gospel is this. The gospel is that core. The gospel is what changed the world. How do I know that? All right, so the gospel is the Bible's radioactive core. Listen to what James says. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. James will often take a thought that's come up to this point, and then he switches to another point. And the point he's making here, and we've been studying this, that tests come our way in life in order to strengthen our faith in God. And if we respond to them wrong, they can become a trial to temptation, a temptation to sin. But the tests come our way to strengthen our cult. And he says, and understand that God pours down every good thing upon us. The best thing that he's poured down upon us is this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The birth he's speaking about is spiritual birth. We are born spiritually dead, every single one of us. We are born physically. We're morally alive. We're, we have a, a soul, but we're spiritually dead. But the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, and he himself said it, you're born again. You gain this new life. And that message is the gospel. Notice this. We've been born again through the word of truth. It was the spreading of this incredible message that started the process of changing the Roman world. In fact, it changed the whole world. There are ways that we think today that came from that transformation that would never have happened had the gospel not been presented and carried out. Now you go, well, how do you know it was the gospel? (laughs) Because when the gospel went out, they didn't have the Bible. Are you with me there? They didn't have the Bible. They did have the Old Testament. And this is, a, this is a Hebrew Bible. And, of course, in those days, it wasn't a codex like this. It was a scroll. But this was available in the world. But you didn't find a Bible, an Old Testament, in everybody's home. There were very, very few of them. And they were kept in synagogues, and they were guarded. Now they were rolled, opened up, and taught. But for the Jewish believers and most of these people, that's what they had. And many of them knew a lot of the scriptures, okay? That's why it could begin to grow like crazy. But that was not enough. The Jews always had the Bible. It didn't change the world. Not at all. In fact, the Jews kept to themselves and only worshipped one God, but they didn't mess with other people so they were left alone. So the Jews were isolated from that. It was the gospel that began to change the world, the good news about Jesus Christ. And notice what it does for us, first of all. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might become a kind of first fruits of all he created. You know what the first fruits were? It was when they worshiped God, they would take the best of the crop. And they would bring it, and they would worship God with the best of the crop. If you believed in Jesus Christ, you may be uncomfortable knowing this, but you're the cream of the crop. We're the ultimate creation of God. For six days, God created. And He didn't create again until the first person believed in Jesus Christ. And when that first person believed in Jesus Christ, a new creation came into existence. And from then on, God has been building a whole new race, a new creation of people who responded to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we know that it's the gospel he's talking about? Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. Same thing. The gospel of your salvation. In other words, this gospel is what transforms us into God's pinnacle of his creation. This gospel is what saves us from hell. This gospel is what starts us on the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. He says, Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes into you. And now this powerful thing lives inside of you. That God has come in to your life. With me there? Just stay out of there, please. All right. <laughs> so you see the incredible power of the gospel? That when people are explained who Jesus is, what he did, and they believe in him, their lives are transformed. They become part of God's pinnacle of creation. They become saved from hell, saved from death, and they become people who have got the Spirit of God living in side of them. That's why Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. When he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's a, it's a figure of speech called a litotes. In a litotes, you say the opposite of what you mean. He would actually be saying, I am so proud of the gospel. I'm so excited about the, this euphoric message. Because it is what brings salvation to everyone. No matter what race you are, Jew, Gentile, you become followers of Jesus Christ. You become God's children as a result of this. Maybe he said, I'm not ashamed, is because people tried to shut him up. They tried to get him to stop. Are you kidding? A man came back from the dead? Oh, please. How can you believe in that? Are you kidding that if you believe in him, you've got to change your life? (laughs) You've got to stop being sexually promiscuous. You've got to stop worshiping other gods. You've got to stop being bloodthirsty. You've got to change these things. Are you telling me that's ridiculous? Stop spreading this. They did everything they could to stop this message spreading. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it. Because I have the thing that saves the lives of human beings, of individuals. What is the gospel? Here it is. For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. By the way, first importance means primary. This is the top of it. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. When Jesus died on that cross, God took your sin and mine, transferred it to him, and he was punished in our place. Tarn it, I meant to bring a dirty handkerchief. <laughs> When God created us, He created us that we could live in relationship with Him. But we rebelled against Him. And when we rebelled against Him, we covered ourselves with sin. But God loves us. And so what He did, what He sent, He came down to earth as a person. And when Jesus died on the cross, He took the filth of our sin away from us and was punished in our place. And after He was punished, He said, it's done. It's completely finished but there's more. So you see, (laughs) Jesus himself is righteous. Jesus himself is completely holy. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, now notice my fist is turned away. If I turn and believe in Jesus Christ, God can forgive my sins because they've already been punished. But he does something else. He brings the righteousness of Jesus Christ and gives it to us. So that from the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, when God looks at you, he sees you in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's how we can become children of God. Because God is able to do that for us. I'll pick my handkerchief up before I leave. Okay, now. Paul says this is of most significance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. Proved he was dead that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He came back from the dead. No one else has ever done that. Muhammad is still in his grave, okay? He's still there. He never came back. Mary Baker Eddy, still in her grave. Joseph Smith, still in his grave. The Buddha, still in his grave. All of these religious leaders died, and they're still in their grave. What's his name? Louis Farrakhan. He says, I'm the Savior. He's getting old. He's going to die soon. And after he dies, we'll go stand and go, okay, (whistles) Lewis, come on back. (laughs) He won't. Jesus died and came back from the the grave to give us, this is the euphoric message, everlasting life if we believe in him. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom were still living, though some have fallen asleep. Notice he says, you don't have to believe me, go ask them. There were hundreds of people who saw the resurrection. Then he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote this letter. Then to all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now, how did the church change the world? Did they change the world because they had a better religion? No. How did they change the world? They changed the world because they believed the gospel. Next week, you're going to have to come back next week to see the next part. And they actually began to do what God told them to do. They began to live the way they were instructed to live. You can imagine how living in persecution, living in that kind of environment, you would become somebody who is hostile and angry. And James, in the very next verse, is going to say to them, stop it. Stop with all of your anger. And you go, yeah, right. How am I going to do that? He's going to teach us because the Word of God gives you the power and the ability to do it the word and the spirit are intertwined by the way that's next week but do you get the point that the thing that changed the world was the euphoric message of Jesus Christ that you can live again you can live for eternity so I have some questions to ask myself am I a believer in Jesus Christ or am I just a cultural Christian whoa Okay? That's a question to ask ourselves, about ourselves. And to, listen very carefully, to ask ourselves about our family members and friends. Because often we go, well, they go to church. I could wear tires and drink gasoline and sleep in my garage. That'll never never turn me into a car. (laughs) Going to church does not turn you into a child of God. The way you become born again and saved is by believing in Jesus Christ. And when you hear the gospel, you take it to yourself and you believe in it. My family grew up in a church that never, ever taught them the gospel. And my family were cultural Christians. They all went to church often. And we've got friends and family members all around us who go to church. But they're cultural Christians because they've never yet put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never done it, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it now. Do it. Don't waste another day or moment of your life. Put your faith in Jesus Christ so that God can give you that life. The question is, do I truly believe the gospel? If I truly believe the gospel, then one of my passions as a person is that I want to tell others about Jesus Christ. I want to be like Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I want everyone to know about Jesus Christ. And you know what the most powerful thing you can ever do? Is just simply tell them, I believe in Jesus. I mean, nobody can argue about that. No, you don't. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Yes, I do. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he's God. I believe he died for me, that he rose from the grave, and I believe in Jesus Christ. That's a testimony you can give to anyone that that comes along and, and asks you. But I would suggest we go one more step. Can I explain the gospel to someone who asks me what I believe. I did the thing with the handkerchiefs just because that's a simple way you can do it. You can do it anywhere. Just at a, in a restaurant, you can take napkins and use them. You can, you can do it anywhere. Just show them simply what the gospel is. Jesus is God who died to take the punishment for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. And if you believe in him, he will give you everlasting life. What's John three sixteen say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said that. That's all we have to do. Do you see how simple it is? But do you see how incredibly important it is that we present the gospel to people so that they too can believe in Jesus Christ? I've told you Margaret's to- story, but I'll tell it to you again. My sister Margaret married a wonderful Jewish man by the name of David. and. His rabbi tried to convert Margaret before the wedding, and everything he told her to do, she said, you do it? And he said, no. She said, then I'm not going to do it either. Uh, court called him out. And then one day she called me, and she said, Raymond, David's family have found a rabbi who said he's going to convert me, and I'm going to become a Jew. I said, well, mazel tov. <laughs> she said, no, I can't become a Jew. I'm, I'm a Christian. I said, no, you're not. She said, I know I'm not a Christian Christian, Okay. But I can't become a Jew. I said, Margaret, you may as well become Jewish if you, if you don't believe in Jesus. She said, right, oh, I don't want to believe in Jesus. I said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that just because you don't want to become a Jew. Okay? You, that's, that's not the way it works. She said, I mean what I'm saying. I've held off believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to do it now. And on the phone, my sister Margaret put her faith in Jesus Christ and her life changed. And then her, her, her husband... We, when we started a church in South Africa, her husband uh, found out that I was preaching through the book of Malachi. And David said, hey, that was my bar mitzvah book. Can I come to church? I said, yeah, but you're going to sit in the back. He said, okay. <laughs> and so he came, sat in the back, and he sat through Malachi, and he sat through Matthew. And I, we don't remember how long it was, but one day after church, he came up to me, and he burst into tears, and he said, it's time. I said, I know said, go on home and I'll come join you. And I went home and I took the Hebrew Bible. And I read to him from Isaiah chapter 52 and 53, which describes Jesus being crucified and describes him coming back from the dead in the Old Testament, okay? When I said to him, David, where is this from? He said, must be in the New Testament. I said, nope, it's Old Testament, David. And David put his faith in Jesus Christ. He believed the gospel And from then on, he walked with the Lord. Just amazing to see the change in his life. Absolutely amazing to watch that happen. David died two years ago. He's now in Christ's presence. Why? Because he believed in Jesus Christ. And the message was here in the gospel. So the reason why I believe today we needed a camp on this is because this has to be part of the culture of Medlock Church more and more and more into the future. That we truly believe the gospel, and that we do everything we can to spread the gospel. I want to encourage you, if you've got family members and friends who are cultural, uh, cultural Christians, invite them to come. I promise we'll share the gospel as often as we can to give them an opportunity to hear the good news. We're, we're, there's, there's my church in Philadelphia, interesting thing happened there, was that we noticed that what was happening is that churched, unsaved people were coming to our church. Cultural Christians started coming to our church. And they thought they were safe. Oh, this is just a nice church. I'll go to church. But they heard the gospel. And they heard the word of God. And they became followers of Jesus Christ. It was so wonderful to baptize them. Guys, I'm trying to talk Larry into letting me build a pool here, okay? So we can (laughs) baptize people. Would you please give me a reason, okay? So that we have way more people coming and, and doing that. Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes let's pray together and it may be that up until now you've just been a cultural Christian that you've never yet said yes to Jesus Christ understand that the people back in James's day in the early days of the church that's all they had that's the message that they believed And so I want to encourage you right now, if you've never yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's no no ritual that does it. There's nothing magic. You may want to simply say to him, Jesus, I understand that you are God. I understand that you died to take the punishment for my sins. And I understand that if I believe in you, you will give me the gift of everlasting life. And so right now, Jesus, I believe in you. I put my trust in you no longer in me. I resign as God of my life. I want you to become my God. And stay in prayer with your eyes closed and your heads down. If you prayed that for the first time ever, would you look up at me and keep looking until our eyes meet? Because the Bible says you're now a baby Christian. And you, just like babies need to be cared for, you need to be cared for. And if you need more information, do the same. Just look up at me and keep looking until our eyes meet. Just so that I know you need some more information.